Bibles, if you haven't already, put a marker there to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're coming back to verses 12 to 20. I think this will be the last time we'll be in this text until after Christmas. We've got the program for the children next week, and then we have Christmas Eve. Um, but thought we can move through as far as we can today as we come back to verses 12 to 20. If you have sermon notes in front of you, <coughs> excuse me, you see that the theme of this text is the importance of being sexually pure in your body. The Apostle Paul was writing about lawsuits, talked about the fact that people should be different than our Christians, and we shouldn't be causing lawsuits. We should be people that are no longer living in sin. We were the people, and he gave a long list of sins. And then he turns to this subject matter as if this is a very important one to go into great detail. And he says in verse 12, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. And so we've only studied verse 12 so far. And as it's going to continue on, it's very clear this entire section is about sexual purity. And it's almost as if God is like saying, please pay attention. And as I waved the red flag last week and try to get your attention, it's so critical because I know sometimes my exhortations fall on deaf ears. And this is a passage that sometimes you can make some, you know, decisions that are irreversible. And uh, get the lights. I got a um, slideshow as we continue to move through this. This is all a desire to get you to understand this concept here. God's desire for sexual purity in man. All right? Sexual purity is God's will for you. And I highlighted the word is because we know that People can play words when the, what is the definition of is. And this is a passage that we haven't turned to, but I thought I could use it here. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. You know, I once called, I told a person one time, man, you're in fornication. And they, they got all upset and they, they said, you're calling me this horrible name. Fornication is sex before sin, before marriage. I mean... You, we know that the world just doesn't get it. We need to get it. We need to understand it. Okay? Um, and it, that's a, a word that I don't hesitate to use and tell someone that they're actively involved in this. Um, obviously, they don't like it, but we've got to carry, let people know the weight of their sin. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Okay? <laughs> that. Brian put that in there for me. Um, from my days, as in the, I believe it, in the 1960s, there's an old TV show called Lost in Space, and there's a robot, and he would say, danger, Will Robinson, danger. I just want to understand, sexual temptation is something that does bring danger. It is something that is, you've got to almost always be aware of. Um, you know, it's just, it's constant. And especially with the day and age that we live with the access, you know, I, 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 of our, our smartphones, our computers. I mean, it's constant. I mean, 
what did I do? Last night, I, um, I checked on this story. I think it was like, I, 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 one of these stories. It was like real generic. It was like I was checking on this thing on Israel. And down at the bottom, they put this ad that was this seductive ad. And I thought to myself, my goodness. I mean, here I'm just trying to look at something that is so pure and so right. And they throw this ad that's inappropriate on there. And you're, we're always going to be tempted. It's going to be tempted through the internet. It's going to be tempted through relationships. It's going to be tempted, tempted, tempted. Because we're in this flesh. And we've got to understand. And last week we went through some of the dangers. And you've got to recognize that this is not a small matter. That it should not be just brushed aside. I think the, 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 we're going to go into chapter 7 and war. We're going to see. God just doesn't let this go down as something simple. Warning, warning, warning. <laughs> there. That's it for the narrative. That's for the, okay, I think, right, Brian? But, you know, when I, I put this guy here. It's like, if you scoff at this warning, if you just ignore it, and there are people. I, I've sat, I've preached here for 21 years. I, I have been absolutely floored, absolutely stunned with revelations of people that have been in our congregation, have come through here, and the sexual immorality that they've participated in, and ongoing. And, and, and so my hope, my desire is if that's where you're at, you recognize it's going to bring danger. It's going to bring ramifications. You're not going to get away with it. Call out to God and ask for help. Repent. Because if you ignore the warnings and find, you'll find, and find even yourself in trouble. So, I mean, I have to watch this. This is what I'm putting out to you always. And so here's the robot. The robot was the one saying, warning, warning. Here's an episode where he fell in love with a dangerous, evil robot. Look at that. She looks so pretty, and the robot fell in love with her but he was evil, <laughs> okay? So ignore the warnings and find yourself in trouble. If you're in sin, repent. I love this sign. Go turn around, call out to God, go a different direction, go down a different road, all right? Because remember, this is the slide we've been using. God restores and is a God of second chances for the believer. And that's the thing. Everyone can move forward. Sometimes you're gonna have to live with consequences. A child could be born out of wedlock. You can't go back. Um, you're going to have to deal with that. But one of the neat things we can all, because all of us have struggled with this, we can all say that God is a God that brings about restoration. And so I don't want this to be like, uh, beat you up, oh, you've done this bad, you've done this bad, and now you're just kicked to the curb. It should be, thank God, my life isn't even worse. Because it could be worse. It could absolutely be worse, Okay. And so only repentance can take you down the road to recovery, real repentance. And God, I think I could bring up many people here who could say, thank God for the fact that I've repented and there's been a restoration either in a relationship or my, just my overall being, my relationship with God, okay? Real repentance, not just saying you're sorry, all right? And you don't get away with sexual sin and and. and Obviously, today, it's like you can see danger, danger, because um, number one, there's sexual disease that comes about if you engage in sexual immorality. There is out-of-wedlock pregnancy. There is bad memories. 
there is bad reputation and there is legal troubles that you get into. Um, and then on top of that, I'm gonna, these next two, I think, come together. Okay, I think there's God's curse. Um, we're going to read a passage at the end of the scriptures that comes from Proverbs 8. I really believe that's, that, there's, that God doesn't allow often these relationships that wor- to work. Um, they say that, the, obviously, the divorce rate is really high in America. But if people live together before being married, they say that the divorce rate is even higher for them. And I think there's a sense, as the scriptures talk about bread eaten in the secret is pleasant, but they don't know that death is there. That's Proverbs 8 that we're going to be reading later. There's a sense where after a person, a couple gets married, there's no longer that um, titillation that they will experience when they were in sin. And that brings about, I believe, a sense where there's something wrong here, which ends up, I think, part of the curse that God doesn't allow the relationship to work and at the same time doesn't allow peace. Because we know from Philippians chapter 4 that our God is a God of peace. And the only way true peace can happen is if you're walking right with him. So you don't get away with sexual sin. And today, I mean, if you're someone, and I could assume because I've dealt with just some, um, have dealt with this in the past. There could be somebody here that's active in some type of sexual sin. Repent. Call out to God. I, I, I beseech you for your own benefit. Okay? Here's the rules. Remember, one man to one woman. And we just wanted to re- re- reiterate this. Any other type of relationship um, is a sin. And I just want to keep driving this home to you. Any other type of relationship. And I think even the sense, like sometimes we'll, like if someone would say, um, I'm bringing pornography into my relationship. You can't bring pornography into that because that's, that's a third and fourth person. It, even if it might be on a video, it's still a third and fourth or whatever. So your relationship should always just remember it's one man to one woman. And then this is the picture with Becky and I. Okay, I, I keep using it. I know I keep... I, but th- this is, if you follow these rules, you're, you're really, really fine, okay? And I was asked this week, and it was a really good question, and, and I don't know if we'll get more into 1 Corinthians 7, like, well, what is allowed within the marriage bed? And here's the, here's the principle. If you, if you follow this, you'll, you'll be fine, okay, in, within marriage. And, and I didn't have this before, but I'm adding this. Love is to rule your relationship, and the way you treat your spouse, am I patient, kind, not jealous, not bragging, not arrogant? Love rules your relationship. Today we've got, you know, we've got this foolish mentality of where people are beating their spouse and thinking that's sexually approved. I mean, that is, that is, if that's love, being patient, being kind, I mean, we all know this is the way that you ask yourself on a regular basis even in everything that you do, and especially within the sexual realm. Remember, God wants us to have marital bliss. I found this. I really like this one. This really stands out. God does want this. How, we know this. How do we know this? Read Song of Solomon. It's something that you should read on a regular basis. It is a book that talks about the bliss that God wants in a marriage relationship. But first and foremost, our number one goal as we're getting to this from our text is glorify God in your body. And so 
you know, you might have some desires. You might want to do this. You might want to do that. But the reality of it is, if it's not proper, then it's not going to honor God. And you say, well, I feel like I've got this sexual appetite and it's not being satisfied. Guess what? As Jesus even himself talked about, you know, you know, he had to go without food because he wanted to serve God. If that was the number one thing. If you aren't having your sexual appetite fed, starve if it's improper. If the food that you're desiring is improper because the number one goal, as we'll get into it, is to glorify God. So get the lights on. Here, here on your sermon notes is just a quick recap. We said that this, section, this entire section, you don't want to miss it, is, the, is that it talks about all three members of the Trinity. Um, verses 12 to 14, <coughs> excuse me, 12 to 14 dealt with the Father. Verses 15 to 18, which we'll get to after Christmas, deal with Christ. And then verses 19 to 20 deal with the Holy Spirit. And so we've already filled in the blank. That, that was our first lesson. And that's why it says Father, Christ, and Holy Spirit. We've only been dealing with the Father section. And we got through verse 12 last week. When we come back, there's going to be more fill-in-the-blanks under the second 2A, the 2A and the 3A. But for now, right now, all we have seen is this. Point 1B. Sexual sin is a serious issue to the Father over other body issues. This entire section, when we read it, showed that, the, that God thought it was that serious. Then there were two principles that we thought were bandied about during um, Paul's day. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And those were the fact that, number one, I mean, point two A, not all things are profitable. Not all things are profitable, meaning that there are things that harm you. You, there, There are things that you can do that you're allowed to do as a Christian, you know, and I use the illustration out of the sexual realm. I could sit around, I could have spent all day Saturday watching sports yesterday. I could have laid around and been just a lazy bum all day. And would that have impacted my salvation? No, if I'm born again, I'm born again. But it wouldn't have been the most profitable thing and it wouldn't have been, you know, the most beneficial. There are things that can harm you. And, and, and so not everything that you do is profitable and then the, the idea in the second half of verse 12, I will not be mastered by anything. If something controls you, and it's always, you know, like, I, I feel like I've always got to do this. I've always got to come and have this satisfied. You know, then you've got to look out and recognize you've got a problem. God doesn't want anything to control you, anything, even potato chips, okay, let alone sexual activity. So it's thought with the fact that, that thinking of a spiritual, a sexual appetite, that verse 13 comes up. And it says, food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. But God will do away with both of them. Yet God is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now, God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise up us up through his power. Verses 13 and 14 go together, and I just broke them down, and let's just look at the fourth principle here. Fill in the blank with the word ruled, R-U-L-E-D. Sex is ruled by the Lord's principles. That seems to be the heart of this, but there's so much that's thrown into this, these two verses, 
that are like sort of like extra side notes. This is one of those passages where you look at it and, and it's fascinating because we could talk for a long time about end times in the sense that we're no longer gonna be have stomachs. I remember telling people this 30 years at a Bible study and they're like blown away. What do you mean we're not gonna have stomachs? Well, that's what God says. And I, and I don't understand how that's gonna work because I was looking forward to being able to eat all the whipped cream I wanted to in heaven. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't understand how this is all gonna go. I mean, I, I thought I could have endless chocolate, that Willy Wonka chocolate river, you know, let's go. Can't wait, that's right. But here, as the side note, you see God is gonna do away with the stomach. And so... That's just a fascinating note there that how is, what is God doing there? Because I thought to myself, like in the resurrection, I went back and I looked, it's in John chapter 22, Jesus, he catches the fish for the disciples and they make breakfast, but it never says whether he ate. And I think there might be another passage where I thought in his resurrected body he eats. So how that process works, if they're able to consume food, and you know the fruit that is in Revelation 22, are we gonna be able to partake of that fruit that's there from, for the healing of the nations? Those are questions God really doesn't give us the detail, but it seems pretty explicit here that God will do away with both of them. He's gonna do away with food, and he's gonna do away with the stomach. Now, um, Th- that is fascinating. And, and as an extra side note, this could just be for the people of the church age because there's so much we don't know about eternity. There is the thought out there that there could be people that are being born for all of eternity repopulating the entire universe. I know that it's something that John MacArthur doesn't always push because it's not always something that um, you, know, you can say this verse or that verse, but there's so much mystery, mystery about what is yet to come. And so I remember John talking about that, and it's something that's always impacted me, and I've shared it a few times with you. So we don't know exactly all of the aspects of what eternity is gonna be like, but at least for us, people of the church age, no stomachs. So, but why does, why does the apostle Paul bring this up? It seems like there's talk, he's talking here about appropriateness and that's what he's trying to do. And even this is an interesting side note because you could say how interesting that he uses logic and he uses an analogy. So you go and you say, food is for the stomach. What does that mean? Well, it seems like the emphasis is on food. It seems like food was designed to be processed by the stomach. And then by flipping it, the stomach was there to be the, that which processes the food. All right? So we would get this. There's an appropriateness. There was, there, there's a design, God being the designer, that God brought this together, and he uses these two <coughs> for appropriateness. Yet, jump in the middle, the body is not for immorality. So since we know food goes for the stomach, let's take this analogy. The body is not for sexual immorality. So very explicit. Very, very explicit. Sex, the body, your physical body is not for morality. And part of what the thinking is, and we've dealt with this, is even in our day and age, <coughs> excuse me, is that there was a religious thought that since we're saved and we're spiritual beings, whatever you do as a Christian doesn't matter in this body because your soul is the one that's going to heaven. 
And this verse right here attacks that concept. And I think there's some religious groups, like even Christian scientists today, that would hold to somewhat along this line. It really doesn't matter what you do in this physical body. We hear God is saying, yeah, it does. You can't separate them. So people who have that philosophy, and you know, sadly, you know, people will think, oh, I'm a Christian, and it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I am saved, therefore I can't have premarital sex. Oh, I can do whatever I want. No, you can't, because the body is not for immorality. And it's critical that we understand the, the fact that when I went over those rules, those are a great summation of, of the fact that there is morality, there are rules. But the Lord, and so when he says, but for the Lord, that means the body is for the Lord. And so the Lord is the one that is, the, is ultimately setting the tone, setting the rules. And so flip it, like we did food for the stomach and the stomach for the food, what does it mean? And the Lord is for the body. Well, I believe that God here has made us tangible beings and, and that we're not just these float-in-the-sky kind of beings. And, and, and that's not our eventual destiny. Our eventual destiny is heaven on earth. And the fact that the Lord has been, is there for us, and that we are to be these tangible beings. And with that in mind, the, the reality of it is, is that we have to be aware that these sexual rules need to play, play out. And so when you realize this, you need to take this serious. You need to realize this isn't a game to be played with. And so how heartbreaking it is for, for me to think that there'd be people in our congregation that would just say, it doesn't matter. We know that the world, the world doesn't care, but you and I should. You and I need to recognize how we need to take this seriously. Well, building off of that, look at verse 14. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. And fill in the blank, sexual needs are only temporary needs because the Father is going to physically change you in the resurrection. When he says, now God has not only raised up the Lord, but will also raise up through us through his power, he's talking about the fact that we're going to be changed too. And, and, and so God the Father here is, is making us aware that things are going to change. Now, <coughs> here's the thing, and, and you hope that this can be planted in your minds, okay? You know, you, you have a food appetite, and you can go like, oh, I've got to eat those potato chips, or I've got to eat that ice cream. And, and you know, especially when you go on a diet, it seems like, wow, that, that ice cream becomes all the more, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, right? And, and, and when you go through that mindset, and maybe you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to try to go on a diet, and I'm going to really try, and I'm going to really limit my calories and whatever, and you're not going to eat the ice cream, I'm not going to eat the chips, but then it just seems to build and build and build and build and build. And then finally you give in and you think, ah, oh, you feel so bad, all right? But th- there's a reality here that God is wanting us to see. And I think if you could recognize that there's only, that our, our sexual appetites are only for a temporary time. 
And, and how does that relate? I mean, the more and more I realize, if I can look at it and say, there's more important things, if, if instead of me consuming all those potato chips or consuming all those, that ice cream, if I can get in that mindset that my desire is only temporary and I should be out, you know, if, I can, if I'm gonna be involved in God's work, then I'm gonna do those kind of things. And if I can have that mindset, it helps me. And I think, ultimately, where the analogy comes out to play is in the sense that I need to recognize that whatever sexual desire I have sometimes isn't going to be met on this earth. And there are single people in our congregation and, and, and you know, there are people that are in very difficult marriages and things don't always work out the way you want and you can get really frustrated and you can finally say, I don't care. God sh- hasn't come through for me. He hasn't provided a spouse. Hasn't provided a spouse that's, that, that, that has a reciprocal sexual appetite like me. And therefore, I'm just going to go do what I want. And God is saying, no. No, you've got to recognize this is only temporary. This isn't for eternity. And if you can have that long-term mindset that this is the way you're going to honor God, then I think you're going to find yourself blessed. So, warning, warning recognize this I, I think when you look at verse 14 now God has not only raised the Lord he, he's talking about God the Father raised the Lord Jesus Christ there's a sense that there's a change going to happen and when that change happens it's not even going to it's going to be so transformative that no longer are we going to orient with the same sexual desire I mean, one of the things that we've learned is that there's no marriage, at least for the church age people, in eternity. Well, obviously, then part of what's going to have to change is the sexual desires that we have. And God is going to do that. That's, I think, the essence of verse 14, that God has not only raised the Lord, but will raise us up through his power. God is going to change us in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. So with that in mind, turn to Proverbs chapter 8. I told you it would get there. And so when it talks about God, you know, changing us, changing us in a way that is transformative, right now I couldn't imagine doing away, doing without ice cream, okay? Or doing that with other things, right? We can't imagine having this orientation that sex isn't going to be a part of our lives, but it's going to happen. But in the meantime, Proverbs chapter 8 is a, one of the many chapters that warns about sexual immorality. And, yeah. Is it Proverbs chapter 8? Let me see, make sure. I can't, I can't read anymore. Oh, excuse me, it's Proverbs 9. Proverbs 9. Same, cha- same, right, same book, one chapter over. Proverbs 9, Okay. And I wanted to read this text because we started off with danger, Will Robinson, danger. And so I say, danger, fellow believer, danger. We have to understand that, that we are always susceptible to temptation. John MacArthur wrote this in one of his commentaries. He said, some years ago, a 16-year-old girl came into my office in complete despair. She had committed so many sexual sins that she felt utterly worthless she had not looked in a mirror for months because she, had, she could not stand to look at herself. And to me, she looked near to age 40 than age 16. She was on the verge of suicide, not wanting to live another day. 
And he goes, I had a special joy in leading her to Jesus Christ and seeing the transformation he made in her life. And she said, for the first time in many years, I felt clean. And that's what I offer to you today. If you are in this, that you can repent and God could change your life. And if he has changed your life, you can't erase the past, but you could be a testimony to what God can do. But here's the warning, Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, and it says in verse 13, it says, The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of the house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by, who are making their path straight. Whoever is naive, turn in here. So you have to understand, and this is important for you to recognize, sin is aggressive. Sinful people will be aggressive, always trying to pull you in and trying to get you to think that their way and their thinking and their behavior is okay. And this is something that parents need to know. That this is where the world is always going to be trying to pull your children into. Whoever is naive, the world says, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says this, stolen water is sweet, meaning... Things done inappropriate are fun. They are sweet. This is the warning you want to hear. You want to hear, because like I always tell my children, I've always told them, you know, people are going to try to get you to go out, maybe drinking and doing other party time things. Sometimes it's really, really fun. It is. But the reality of it is, is there's a, there's a catch. There's a lie. You wake up. You don't remember what you did the night before. Or you did something stupid or you get into a car accident and you're maimed for life. Well, sexual sins, all those lists of all the things that I said could happen, could happen. Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. There's the enticement. This is going to be blast. This is going to be fun. And that's why I gave that warning earlier about the fact that so many people that engage in premarital sex prior to being married have struggles in their marriage. Because that same excitement is no longer there after they're legally married. Verse 18, but he does not know that the dead are there. The dead are there. This is God's judgment. This is God's curse. Guests are in the depths of Sheol. Sheol being the grave, being death. So what a warning. What an incredible warning. And I encourage you on a regular basis like I try to do. Read the Proverbs. Read chapter 5, all of chapter 7, so much of the Proverbs warn against sexual sin. I wrote this, I said, like I said, now I tell young people this right now because I've seen too many people who are age 50, 60, and 70-year-olds deal with sexual sins. Get it right when you're in your teens, in your 20s, and even in your 30s because as we've seen, and I have seen, sexual sin destroys you. And if you have unconfessed sexual sin, it's important to call out to God now right where you sit. And I I say this and I say it again, I don't need to hear your confession. God does though. One person told me recently, God knows what I did. Why do I have to say it again? And because the answer is, because this is how the system works. You need to acknowledge it to God. Go directly to God, not to me. And I don't need to hear the mess you're in. But no matter where you've been, remember there's only one unpardonable sin And sexual sin is not it. But I tell you, seek the Lord while you have opportunity, as Psalm 51 teaches, and then live a life of sexual purity because God expects it. It's a life to be shouted from the rooftops. Please heed the warning.
Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you've put this in your word and how I'm hoping that today's message can help prevent someone from going down a wrong path. And for God, for those that have us who have sinned in the past and we've come from unsaved relationships and we, we look and we say to ourselves, we hate the history. We're thankful, God, for the fact that we can live lives now as Christians and live lives that honor you and have the peace that only you can give with the history that we have. And, and that's the same for believers that mess up. But, oh, God, I pray that if there's anyone here today that is in sin, that today that they would just call out to you and repent and the weight of their guilt would come upon them until the point where they would find no peace until they finally turn to you. Oh, Father, that's what we pray for people at Christian Fellowship Church. We want our church family to be strong. Please protect our children because we know the world goes after them, lures them with the enticements that what they're gonna get away with is gonna be so great, so wonderful and pleasant. May Proverbs, like the end of chapter nine here, just continually remind them about the deception. The world is so deceptive, God. I pray that we can see past it, not only in the sexual realm, but in the material realm, and, uh, and the truths that they propose to be true, which are really nothing but lies. We thank you, Lord, that you have put so much in your scripture about this. And I think it's because we recognize that sexual fulfillment has such great gratification for us. And may we always remember that this isn't by accident, this is by design. But may it all be done in propriety, in a way that honors you. And as we get to the end of this section, may we all glorify you, God, with our bodies. In Christ's name, amen.